Today's show is being brought to you by Cause Marketing Forum and SelfishGiving.com. And we want to thank our sponsor, 1BillionShirts.org. Custom t-shirts that help others. Print with them, and 25 cents from every t-shirt benefits a good cause. And remember, you can find Cause Talk Radio on Stitcher Smart Radio as well as iTunes. Leave us a comment at either one of those platforms, and we'll send you a Cause Talk Radio t-shirt. Hi, everyone. This is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. And, of course, I'm here with my fabulous host, Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. Hello, Joe. How are you today? I'm excellent. Yeah? Everything's good out in Portland? You know, it's not raining today, so all's good in the world. Yeah, it was just hailing a few minutes ago here in Boston. I don't know what kind of crazy weather we're having, you know. It's kind of interesting, too, we talk about crazy weather because it's kind of the topic of today's show. Exactly. And we have someone who was around for some really crazy weather, uh, Gary Lemer, who is the YMCA Chief Development Officer in Greater New York. Hey, Gary, how's it going? Hey, how are you? Thanks. Pretty good. Now, Gary, how do you pronounce your last name? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Gary Lammer. But you, you were close from Boston. It's, it's a, okay. It's a, it's a Boston accent. You know, I'm, you know what I'm really happy, though? I'm happy that I'm talking to a New Yorker like yourself who's such a big Red Sox fan. Oh, here we go. <laughs> right? Because, you, you, know, you didn't mention that, that you were going to say that in the upfront. <laughs> I knew he hey, was going to do that. I, I've heard, though. Now, did you hear this, Megan? The, the new mayor of New York City... He's a Red Sox fan. Oh, jeez. Mutiny. <laughs> He's originally from Cambridge, Massachusetts. You know, someone was saying about and obviously this isn't the topic of our show, but Gary, <laughs> think about this, though. It, it, think about this. Here's a guy that was elected. Do you think a guy here in Boston, a, 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 a woman or a man, could be elected mayor of Boston if they were a Yankees fan? Never. It's just it's just further evidence of how open New Yorkers are for people uh, not making the right choices. Good answer, Gary. <laughs> Well, Bloomberg was always, they said, a closet Red Sox fan, too. He grew up in Medellin. <laughs> and your new, mayor, uh, your new mayor grew up in Cambridge, you know? So, I mean, hey, at least he's being up front, you know what I mean, and recognizing that, you know, hey, if I'm going to support a team, I'm going to support the best one out there. <laughs> right? Or maybe the first one I was introduced to. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, that is not the topic of our show today, folks, uh, although that would be a good conversation for us to have at length. Gary, what you're going to talk about today is actually a very serious issue, talking about uh, the, the YMCA and some of the lessons you folks learned from uh, your involvement uh, in a really terrible event, Hurricane uh, Sandy. And, you know, Hurricane Sandy is really interesting one year later because at the recording of the show, we have this huge hurricane churning in the Pacific and hitting the Philippines. And I can only imagine what, you know, terrible circumstances these people are under with 200 mile an hour winds. But what was it like for you last year with Sandy? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, we, we kind of looked a little bit at the lessons learned from uh, our Sandy experiences, uh, immediate and urgent kind of mid-range and then long-range uh, in service to rebuilding communities, uh, certainly in the very, very upfront in the hours uh, immediately uh, following and, and even during the storm, uh, one of our local YMCAs in Brooklyn uh, became a central shelter for 550 uh, adults that had to be evacuated from an assisted living 
uh, a facility uh, uh, that supported a number of infirmed adults that, that needed care. And so the floor space of, uh, of one of our YMCAs very quickly became an assisted living center to 550 uh, people that, that needed it. Wow. Yeah, right. How, how- just from a coordination perspective, it sounds like there was a lot of logistical things that had to happen. So from your position as the development officer, what was your role in all of that? We certainly uh, uh, worked very, very closely with both our public and private partners in making sure that we had the resources and the capacity to staff and the ability to provide some safety services. You know, at, at the most urgent, uh, you know, extreme end, these 550 poor people that had to be evacuated to just, you know, in lower Manhattan, people who were walking further north to our YMCAs where they could find a place uh, uh, in our fitness centers to grab a warm shower to recharge their phones to get something warm to drink. So we were, you know, kind of faced with making some very quick decisions to people that had some very basic needs like access to electricity and hot water and those who had some very urgent needs. And uh, in the days immediately following, uh, we still have a youth hostel hoteling operation here in New York at our YMCA. Mm -hmm. And we housed in in our operations about 160, 170 uh, displaced uh, New Yorkers. Wow. And let me ask you, Gary, did that include either you or other employees from the Y? Uh, absolutely, we had uh, uh, employees, uh, particularly uh, one or two who lived out in the Rockaways and in Staten Island, who yep. suffered great personal uh, loss in, in property, uh, in their home, and and those that just that were living in locations. Uh, I, I happen to live in New Jersey. We lost electricity for about six days. Uh, mm. Fortunately, I was able to get to work, um, oh, yeah. and was in the, the following day. And so our uh, YMCA's in Midtown and Uptown Manhattan, and some of, and most of the boroughs did have uh, functional electricity, hot water. Although we were not fully operational, we certainly made ourselves open and available to anyone that could get to us and that was part of the Y family or those that just needed uh, some help. Mm. So uh, when disaster strikes, obviously, in most cases, you have no idea this this is coming and it's going to happen. However, there it seems from our perspective that there has been a movement, particularly upon among corporate folks to have a disaster giving plan in place because eventually something's going to happen in your community or in one of your communities. Had you done much disaster giving preparation with your corporate donors in advance or had you had those conversations? We had not had specific conversations because one of the things we've learned uh, post-Sandy and post-Irene, the the immediate uh, needs or the mid-range needs may certainly differ dramatically. Right. Uh, one of the things we learned post-Sandy in our extensive work with kids, uh, the number of displaced children that left home, uh, although schools were functioning two or three days later, children that had left home had left their notebooks, their book bags, their 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 school supplies behind right. or had lost them. And so our mid-range uh, immediate response was to replace uh, about 5,000 uh, kids with school supplies, notebook, mm. backpacks, uh, blankets, uh, coat to get to school, a warm hat to get to school, a book bag, um, mm-hmm. pens, papers. And, and for some of our younger kids that uh, were displaced from their home, a little teddy bear as well, so that mm. they could get back uh, to school and function with paper and pen, yeah, um, right. you know, trying to get them back to normal 
as quickly as you can or as much as you can. So, Gary, and which corporate sponsors funded a lot of that? Yeah, and which ones actually stepped up and did that for you? I mean, did you find the response from the corporate community to be a good one? Uh, we really were very, very fortunate to have great relationships, and uh, uh, our immediate friends at the Bank of New York, J.P. Morgan Chase, PricewaterhouseCoopers, mm -hmm. GE, were all instrumental in us very, very quickly identifying the resources to, you know, resolve this mid-range need. And, and we looked at the getting kids back to school issue because it was not something the emergency service agencies, mm -hmm. food, water, you know, they worked very diligently to make sure people had, you know, shelter, food, and water. We were looking at, okay, next step, kids are getting back to school, but they don't have a pen and paper. What could we do? Right. Right, right. So that you found a really specific role for yourself. And it sounds like you had some really great partners um, involved in that. You know, one of the things, and Megan knows this too, is um, Cone here in Boston, which is a cause agency, uh, came out with a study talking about companies in disaster response and talking about um, how important from a consumer perspective it is for companies uh, to be prepared for things like this um, and to always have a plan of their own so that they can step in because consumers are really expecting that of them. I, I would think, and, and, and really we're so fortunate here that uh, our relationships with uh, 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 companies that I mentioned and, and, and Kelso and Company and the Nielsen companies, I mean, we know who to call. We're partners in supporting kids and families in New York. We work together. We have the credibility and relationship with them that if we call and say, we have identified a need that is not being addressed by anyone else, mm -hmm. can you partner with us to do this? Um, mm -hmm. They're happy to do it. You know, these are, quite honestly, these are not people we didn't know we called our partners right. um, who then joined us All in this additional effort. Yeah. 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 One of the other pieces from the Cone Trend Tracker that came out on disaster giving said that people expected companies to give not only immediately, because they did expect that, but then they also expected companies to be there for the long run. Yeah, so we're now point. a year out of Hurricane Sandy. Are you still working with those corporate partners to, to do some of these pieces and some, some of this relief effort? Does it continue? Do you find that people are less willing after the immediate tragedy to, to respond? I think as long as you can effectively identify a need, uh, a real need that exists as an example in partnership with, uh, again, J.P. Morgan Chase and, and City uh, here in New York and others, a after the kids were back at school, you know, post Sandy a month, one of the things we were specifically able to raise money for was to provide uh, social workers, uh, certified MSW mm -hmm. uh, individuals that could help children who were showing signs of post-traumatic stress syndrome mm -hmm. or children who were decompensating a little or um, having you know issues with anxiety, being not yet back in your normal routine that you right. had pre-Sandy. And so through some specific funding with our partners, we were able to, uh, particularly in the Rockaway communities here in New York and Staten Island uh, here in New York, add to um, our school-based program sites uh, a team of social workers who could help mitigate some of the situations kids were finding, but there was not a network of children behavioral health specialists, you know, standing by. But we, we were able to find some and get them placed where they would need it the most and help begin to talk kids through some of the issues uh, they were having post-Sandy.
Mm. You know, Gary and Megan, one of the things I think is interesting, too, about um, disaster response and involving companies is, in a lot of ways, it has a really good lesson for nonprofits because it teaches them that, you know, that people respond to urgency. And even if we don't always have, you know, a hurricane or a tornado or a terrible fire or something like that, that it's important to show people the importance of what you're doing and to really clearly articulate the need. And that sounds like something, Gary, that you folks have been able to continue to do. I think we, we, we take pride in our ability to identify a need and then be able to translate it into messaging that helps, you know, that resonates and, mm. and makes it easy for our partners to join with, join with us. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I think one of the advantages by having such a strong, you know, physical plant presence in New York. We have 23 YMCA branches throughout the five boroughs serving about a half a million New York City residents. So we're very lucky to have so many boots on the ground, literally, in communities that many of them are under-resourced and and underserved in the best of circumstances. Mm -hmm. Uh, Following a natural disaster, um, you know, whatever resources they have are even more stretched Mm -hmm. and in some cases almost beyond the limit. Um, But we being there, you know, not just because it's an emergency, but our being, you know, here in New York, 160 years worth of knowledge is able to be deployed at a moment of need as opposed to arriving, you know, on the day of. Now that we're a year out and you look back on this whole experience, again, from your perspective as the development officer, Gary, what what surprised you about this experience? Uh, well, I, well I, two things surprised me: um, how, how much you take for granted hot water and electricity, <laughs> yeah, I know, which really I will not, not I, I will not yeah. do again. Yep. Um, yep. I, I think the other thing that was a little surprising for many New Yorkers, um, you know, how how challenged our our supply chain for groceries, food, and gasoline, how quickly that can become challenged mm-hmm. um, after a disaster. There was, you know, certainly a, a, a week to 10 days of difficult times finding gasoline. Um, but I, I also was so reassured by how generous and thoughtful and kind people can be when you are able to articulate to them, you know, in, in an effective method, because um, they're getting a million phone calls about we need this and we need that right. and we need this. Uh, you have to be able to, in a very concise way, say we've identified a need that is not being addressed by anybody else. We think we can make an impact here. You know, kids are not sleeping because they're having anxiety. Right. Kids are not performing well in school. They're falling behind their classmates because uh, of what they've been through. Kids mm-hmm. don't have a notebook, and they're at you know high risk of, of falling way behind in their reading and their studies. Mm-hmm. And although it sounds kind of simple, it it you know in a post situation like that, it it was a real need, and people really understood and cared so much for kids. You know, it, right up until and and well, well after the crisis. Mm. And I think too, what's so great about that too is, you know, sometimes I think we do question 
just how important and valuable our nonprofit institutions are. And I think this is a great example of, like, you're really showing the community just how valuable the YMCA is to the community and how you really do play an active, important role. And perhaps that was always perceived, too. But you definitely punctuated it with Sandy. So I, I think having history and knowledge and presence um, and resources, you know, you're talking resources. about all the different things and stuff. I'll tell you, Gary, if there's a zombie apocalypse, I'm coming to look for you. Because <laughs> I think Come you, to because New York, now, absolutely. Because now you have it all figured out. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't say this. I wouldn't say we have it all <laughs> figured know? out, but I would say we have some experience in these situations. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, to, to that point, you know, it sounds like there were a lot of things you guys did right, but I've got to imagine that there were a couple things you looked back on and you said, you know, Megan, okay, if you're we so had to negative. do, no, it's not negative. So negative. It's, it, Listen, I am trying to. I'm say, trying oh, to. Gary, how did you fall on your face? You know what I mean? To, to, to <laughs> that is not what I mean. I am just. Boy at the door oh my or gosh. Or, are you done? <laughs> My question is, for other people who might go through this, there's always something you can learn that you can sort of pass on to, to the poor people that might have to be in your shoes someday, Gary. But are there things you looked back and you said, huh, you know, we could have done this differently um, with, with the hindsight, you know, because when you go into these things, you just it, you, nobody's ever prepared fully, even if you do prepare. But are there things you would have done differently? I think, you know, as we look back at it, the two areas that we wished we had um, a little better preparedness in, um, uh, probably even among our leadership, our senior leadership within the organization and all of our employees, uh, a better communications chain. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we had lost when the electricity went down was our email servers. Right, right. Um, and so for us to be able to very quickly communicate with all of our employees, making sure that, A, they're safe and that they're okay, and, B, where we need them to go, you know, starting tomorrow morning to, um, you know, get the backpacks ready for the kids to get back to school, to provide a little more staff support at our center where we had the um, – the uh, convalescent home patients, we didn't have a necessarily uh, the best or most effective method in communicating with everybody at once. Right. What did you end up doing? And that, We ended up doing round robin, you know, you call these five guys, you call yeah. these five. And it just took longer than we would have liked. Right. Um, so, you know, we're looking at, at other ways to be able to broadcast and communicate with our staff effectively, but all at once. See, Joe, that's a lesson uh, for us. If we ever get hit by a hurricane, we have to figure out how to broadcast this podcast regardless. So <laughs> we'll do it all you, via yeah, mobile. If your servers go down, <laughs> yeah, if your servers go down, yeah, it, um, you know, because everyone kind of figured even if we needed to talk to everybody, we could email them and they could email back. But oops, that didn't uh, work, yeah, it doesn't work quite so as well, well as we planned. Interesting. Very so I, interesting. I think that was a big one. Well, Gary, thank you so, so much for joining us today. It's it's really been interesting. And I think, you know, unfortunately, at some point in everyone's career, it sounds like they may have to deal with something like this. And um, it sounds like you guys did a really bang up job making all of these pieces happen. And you and you continue to do that. And you continue to have that really strong presence in the New York area that you always have. So, so thanks for sharing your knowledge and expertise with us. If people would like to find out more about you and the YMCA of Greater New York, how would they do that? Uh, two ways. Please visit our website at ymcanyc.org. 
And then if you click through the about and then the staff tabs, you'd find my email and, and really feel free to email me anytime if you have any questions and you can reach me right through our website. Excellent. Thanks so much, Gary. And I almost feel like we've lost Joe. It's gone sort of radio silent on his end of the line. Joe, are you still with us? Well, we know we can find Joe at SelfishGiving.com and on Twitter at Joe Waters. Oh, he is there. Did you you mute? Look, did you like (laughs) how I just jumped right into telling people how to find you? Well, I'll tell people how to find you. But first of all, I mean, Gary, you are so adept at handling disasters. I'm going to recommend that you're the next general manager for the New York Yankees. (laughs) Okay. Okay. He just I had mean, to get that in there. He you just know had what to you're do it. Doing. Yeah. You know what you're doing. Uh, but in terms of finding me, people can find me um, on Twitter at Joe Waters. Uh, they can obviously find me on my blog, selfishgiving.com. And don't for- uh, forget to check out my cause marketing Pinterest boards, uh, pinterest.com front slash Joe Waters. What about you, Megan? Where can people find you? I'm also on Twitter at Megan Strand, and I tweet for the cause marketing forum at tweetcmf, and also blog for the cause marketing forum at causeupdate.com. And you can find Cause Talk Radio on Stitcher smart radio as well as itunes we do recommend you subscribe to to itunes so you don't miss any of these episodes and on behalf of gary and joe and myself we'd like to thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of cause talk radio we'll see you next time 